Welcome to Season 2 of Game Design Unboxed on the No Direction Network. Danielle talks to tabletop game designers about the games they've made. Together, they unbox how the game went from inspiration to publication. Thank you for joining me, Danielle, for Game Design Unboxed Inspiration to Publication, Episode 28, Cultivate. Today, we are joined by Jenna Radke and Austin Foss, otherwise known as part of the Pops and Bijou team, the designers of Cultivate. Thanks for coming on to the show, guys. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Oh, for sure. And just to start out, I would love if you both could introduce yourselves and kind of say how you got into game design. Yeah, so I can start. Um, my name's Austin Foss, or the Pops of Pops and Bijou Games. Um, we kind of started our journey back in March of 2020, um, where, you know, we both were talking after a game night and we both realized that we had making a board game on our bucket list. Um, you know, at that time, we both were thinking like, you know, just make a game for friends, right? Like that just, you know, just for fun. Never in a million years would have thought, you know, it would have created this <laughs> a business um but i've i've been playing board games all my life uh, my family had a giant board game closet full of games granted this was before you know the renaissance happened of nowadays um or at least you know it didn't come to my small town in north dakota yet um so yeah. basically all of our games were just different versions of monopoly <laughs> um but that's how i kind of grew up uh loving games that's awesome. Yeah, I had a neighbor that had a ridiculous amount of games that got me into it. So that's great. Yeah. And what about you, Jenna? Yeah, I'm Jenna Radke. I'm the Bijou of Pops and Bijou Games. Um, actually, Pops and Bijou were our college nicknames. That's where we all, uh, the whole team met. It was um, when we were in college. And uh, our third member, Jake Sells, he isn't here today, but he is actually the one who introduced us um, back in college. So he's the ampersand of Pops and Bijou. Um, but yeah, so the three of us, we got into the game designing, um, last year during the pandemic, it was just so exhausting with all of the screen time and zoom calls and everything. And it was just a great way to get back to that face-to-face interaction. Um, once things started cooling down and people could start hanging out again. Um, so that's really where we got the inspiration last year, but I actually like Austin have been playing games my whole childhood and, my whole life, I grew up on a small dairy farm. So in the winter times when there's no field work to do, but you're trapped inside and you can't travel or go anywhere because you have to be there twice a day, every day with the with the cows. So we'd play lots of board games and my family got really competitive about what we like to play. And uh, we like to play a lot of, of the classic oldies from my parents' childhoods, as well as the, the typical monopolies and things of um, that you think of for our childhood age as well. And yeah. And then when I got to college, continued playing games with friends and then I mean, even in adulthood, playing games with friends. And that's really how we got into the game loving and everything that we do now. That's so awesome. Can you guys explain your nicknames, though? I'm curious. I also love that the ampersand is a person. (laughs) That's great. Yeah. And um, my nickname, Bijou, actually just my hometown is Bijou, Minnesota. And so in college, when actually when I met Jake, the ampersand, um, he thought it was such a fun word to say. Um, so he's like, I'm just going to call you that. So that became my nickname. And when I actually met Pops, he was already Pops and I was already Bijou. So it's actually really weird when we say Austin and Jenna. We're like, who are you guys talking about when people mention us by that name? Um, so, yeah, so that's kind of where my nickname came from. And my nickname came from my freshman year of college. Um, two friends uh, kind of gave me that 
uh, nickname, which then carried over into um, my sophomore and junior year when Jake became our uh, roommate in uh, our apartment building. And I basically was the one cleaning everything and telling people to clean up. So it was basically like their dad and it just stuck. So should we switch over to nicknames? Like I can base mine off of Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm from Flagstaff. That seems like a decent nickname. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's just let's just keep that for the rest of the time. Okay. Otherwise, I mean, I can be mom because I actually did get called mom in college, but that's because I trained people at the cage, not a strip club, but a restaurant. <laughs> so I'm good with either one here. Let's go with yeah. Flagstaff mom. <laughs> Flagstaff mom. I th- we'll, we'll, we'll choose one and we'll, we'll, we'll see we'll, how that goes. We'll workshop it. We'll workshop it. <laughs> we'll workshop it for sure. Awesome. Well, then here, uh, you guys are here to talk about your game Cultivate. For anyone who hasn't played it, mind explaining what it is and how to play? Yeah. So Cultivate um, is based on the theme of cults, but, you know, not anything too crazy or wild, but more of a satirical realm of cults. Um, you play as one of our wacky cult leaders working to recruit followers to your compound. Um, there's lots of different types of followers. If you get some of those more high profile folks like celebrities or politicians, you might get more points than someone who's already looking for a cause like an activist or a drifter, um, just a youth who's easily gullible and you can get them to join. So um, you recruit these different followers and you have your different wacky agendas, depending on which cult leader you are. We are what, My personal favorite is Pierre Ahmed Scheme. Um, He recruits different followers to join his um, wacky scheme of uh, selling necessary lotions to uh, people across the country. So um, we, yeah, you work to do your agendas for each cult leader while also just filling that compound. But you also have to avoid avoid investigators. Um, So investigators can stop you from uh, recruiting followers or slow you down, or you can use them to sabotage your opponents. So you can actually send them over to your opponent's compounds, which is really where the take that part of our game comes from. And um, there's lots of action cards that allow you to like steal or block other people's moves. So we really like that competitive competitiveness in our games. That's awesome. Yeah. And I would just add, so yeah, like uh, Bijou was kind of getting at is, so it is a take that pattern building board game. And so when you are recruiting followers into your compound, it's a four by four grid. And so you're trying to make a pattern within that grid that fulfills your agenda. And then like she was saying, there are a bunch of cards like have that take that aspect that, you know, you're stealing or you're swapping or you're giving other people investigators. And how did you guys decide? Uh, I know one of the actions is you can trade in followers for different followers. What made you decide like, oh, this person's worth this many or this is worth this many? I think the tricky part about any game is making it strategic enough, but also having a little bit of randomness in there. And with any type of card based game, you know, when you're drawing cards, you just might not be getting the cards you want. So we wanted to have that like, option of being able to, well, I'm getting all uh, three-point followers and I want these one-pointers to fulfill my agenda. So I'll get rid of one of those and get three smaller ones so that I can help avoid some of that randomness so it's not so much luck, but more strategy in the game in that sense. And we chose them based on, you know, what we just saw as, you know, more valuable to your cult, right? Like a celebrity or a politician is going to, you know, promote your cult more so than, you know, a drifter or an activist is. And so they're going to be worth more to your cult than they would, which is gives them their point values. And then for the investigators, how do you remove them from your board? 
So you can either remove them um, from different cards that you can play, or you can remove them from swapping out of different followers. So in the game, there is Sabotage Arrival, which you get to place an investigator from your compound into somebody else's compound. Um, Or, you know, if somebody else had an investigator and somebody else was winning, you can take theirs and place that into their compound as well. There's also swap a follower. So you could swap your investigator with another person's um, follower, or you can trade in four points worth of followers to get rid of that investigator. Essentially, you know, giving up your followers uh, to, you know, get rid of that investigator. I like thinking of it as like four of them just split off in different directions, like a house party that got broken up by the police and you're just hoping the investigator chases one of them away. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) Yeah, I like to think of it as uh, your investigator. We consider them followers since they're undercover investigators. Um, Mm. But yeah, so they I would say they take away some followers, like take them in for questioning, you know, and that's how you can get them to leave. What buzzkills. Come on. So funny. They're when you the said worst. the lotion, it made me think like Tupperware salesmen, just like, oh boy. <laughs> Danielle, yeah. that's exactly what you should be thinking when you're thinking that one. <laughs> Beautiful. And then what inspired the design of this game? Like, why did you decide this idea of Colts would make for a good first game for your company? We were just kind of really uh, exhausted by a lot of those themes that are overdone, overplayed. It's always buying and selling things or like building like a city or things like that. So we wanted something that was unique and different. Um, And, you know, Austin just came to me or Pops just came to me one day and said, hey, I think Colts would make a good theme. So um, we rolled with it because I don't think I've ever played any cult themed games before. And uh, that's kind of how everything spiraled. And I think from the beginning, we knew this was going to be funny and not serious. And so from the beginning, we knew that we were going to have a lot of satire involved with this game, um, which just has, you know, permeated throughout the process. Beautiful. I love that so much. How did you find an artist? Were one of you the artist? Did you find someone? Because I feel like it definitely helps with that satire, not so serious feeling to the game. So our artist is uh, a friend of ours, actually. Um, And he is originally from Moorhead, Minnesota, which is just across the river from Fargo. Um, And he was a a friend of a friend um, who have now become friends with us. And he is actually the fourth member of our team officially now. Uh, and so we just honestly got really lucky <laughs> with the connections that we had because um, he is an amazing graphic artist. Um, and it, it, I, we, we get so many comments from people on how they love our art. Um, and that's, you know, that's all him. And, and that would be uh, Danny Cavalli. I was going to say, I brought that game among some other games back from, uh, you know, I went to QsCon a bit ago and I brought those games and then your game just happened to be with me because all my coworkers are like, we should make a game about a cult. And I'm like, actually, there already is one. And I brought it in and they thought, they're like, oh, of all the art on the boxes, that's the one I want to play the most. So hats off. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. That, I mean, honestly, that is kind of what we were going for as far as our color scheme as well, because... I think there's, you know, a lot of darker colored games or like the the illustration is a little more lifelike. And I just wanted to get away from that. And I, I really love mid-century modern design. 
um, and furniture and art. And so I was very happy that Danny was able to, you know, channel that energy. That is great. And then are you guys a fan of puns? Like, where did the name come from? That would be uh, Jake. (laughs) Jake is kind of the mastermind behind all of the puns um, and the stories behind each of these leaders as well. Um, He would definitely be uh, the creative director of uh, funny, almost, (laughs) if that's a a term. I mean, you can make it a term. I feel like at this point, I've gotten business cards from a lot of interesting job titles <laughs> when you go to gaming conventions. <laughs> oh, gosh. And then with playtesting and development, how did you go about doing that once you had kind of thought like, hey, here's this cool game. And that was your first game you made. Like, what was the process? Were you just drawing on things? How did you come up with the design? What changes happened through playtesting? How did you playtest? All that good stuff. Well, we forced our friends to play this game over and over and over and over. But <laughs> but we also, uh, so when we first started creating this, like we mentioned, it was back when the pandemic was uh, really happening and we weren't really like seeing a lot of people. And um, we just kind of, we were over at Pops' apartment and we just took some pieces of paper and cut them into little cards. And we actually were using cut up envelopes for our boards right away and, uh, it was really hard to shuffle all that, but you know, we made it work. And um, then we would have like, you know, if we had friends that would come over, we would have them play the game and we kept tweaking it. And eventually we made enough uh, play testing sets to send out to people. So we wouldn't have to try and round up and meet with play testers during uh, when we were, you know, during the quarantine or pandemic times. So um, we spent, oh, I don't know, a month or so cutting out like little foam pieces. It's for our meeples and, cutting out cardstock for all of our cards and for our game boards and mailed out all of these sets to different people across the country and had them play test our game. And, you know, it was just phenomenal to hear the, um, the feedback. And especially once we got to, you know, pass kind of more of the beta testing and more into like the, you know, this is our final product and we want to see kind of some people's reviews on it. And it was phenomenal to hear what they had to say, like these strangers across the country loved this idea that we came up with and we heard just exceptional and, and great comments. And, um, it was, yeah, exciting and really helped us with when we launched our Kickstarter back in February, you know, having that confidence that we would succeed. How did you find these random people to send your different prototypes to? (laughs) Yeah. Um, so Jake actually is the mastermind behind our social media presence and he really went out there and found these, uh, different board game channels on Instagram and, um, connected on Facebook with different board game reviewers and just big board game fans. You know, we maybe didn't have the star power with our reviewers of like some of the big YouTube channels and the big game reviewers that you may have heard of. But, you know, we found like an Instagram per, uh, board game fan who had, you know, a couple thousand followers here and there. And, you know, just seeing that all across those different channels, people were like, oh my gosh, I saw this game there. And then I saw it on this page and they were all commenting all over and when our Kickstarter launched, everyone's like, oh my gosh, I've heard of this game, even though it wasn't like the big names that you might think of. So yeah, and it's just super exciting to have those people involved because, you know, we want to help them grow as well and support the community. I mean, they've been fantastic. Like some of the reviewers that we did send to are still talking to us, you know, and they want to be part of our journey too. And it's been really amazing seeing you know their support and their love of the game 
It's so funny because that's actually how I found out about your game. I had gotten just like a random Instagram <laughs> message and was like, hey, um, so here's this game. Here's who we are. And I just love like the name because my Instagram is token gamer, like G-A-Y-M-E-R. And I was just like, huh, okay, I'll look at this. And then I was like, oh, okay, yeah, this looks like something I'd back. So I backed it. And then I saw you guys in person at Gen Con. And it was beautiful. It was great. It was great. <laughs> oh, man. And so what made you guys decide to start up your game company? Um, we, again, you know, we, we had both, uh, making a board game on our bucket list. And so we did create this game, you know, once we kind of had that theme going and the, the idea, the base idea for the game, we started play testing with friends who, um, opinionated <laughs> is I think a word I can use They're They're, you know, they will give us good feedback and they know games and so we started to play with those um kinds of friends and they seemed to really enjoy the game and they really liked where we were going with it and they liked the theme and so we both looked at each other and we're like you know this this might actually you know be something like it might be bigger than just you know a game that our friends play every once in a while and i think it just kind of snowballed from there and is the snowball still going? Do we have more games in the future? That is the plan. <laughs> Our current plan right now is to have at least one game out per year. And so right now, the second one is under construction. <laughs> I was going to say, is that a hint? Is it a construction game? <laughs> Honestly, I don't know why it's said under construction. I knew you were going to take it. <laughs> under development is probably the better term. <laughs> I mean, everyone says under development. Under construction just sounds cool. (laughs) How about this as a hint? It's under the spotlight. Now I'm just feeling like it's got to be an acting game or movies or theater. Interesting. Well, you'll just have to wait and see. (laughs) That's fair. I'll wait for that Instagram message. (laughs) Jake will be in touch. Awesome. And so besides Jake just randomly Instagram messaging people, what else do you think really helped make your Kickstarter a successful campaign, especially since you were first-time designers, first-time company? There is quite a lot of information out there for first-time crowdfunding individuals and board games specifically because board games have kind of taken over Kickstarter. Um, We, you know, we read specifically Jamie Stegmeier's blog. Um, We, we read a lot of other blogs on Kickstarters. We, you know, we read a lot of articles on crowdfunding best practices. Um, We, we have reached out to others in our community who had also done Kickstarters and asked them kind of what they did. Um, and it's so I, and also just looking at Kickstarter in general, right? I mean, I think we as a company have backed at least 25 to 30 Kickstarters. And we honestly, we kind of just got into it last year. And so just seeing what everybody was doing, seeing what makes everybody successful, you know, hearing what our best practices, I think we took all of that information 
and we used it to our advantage. Granted, COVID, you know, <laughs> threw a wrench in that when it came to uh, shipping. <laughs> but as far as the Kickstarter goes, I think it helped a lot. <laughs> that is good. There are definitely a lot of great ways to find information online or just in books and stuff right now. But um that's awesome. And I, I love Jamie Stagmeyer's work. I know when I tried to do a Kickstarter, which I was, I ended up ditching out on it. And I'm glad because I learned I'm not a business person. I'm good to work for other people. Yeah, so yeah. hats off to you guys. Well, thank you. Thanks. And so in general, how long in total do you think it really took from the inspiration to the publication of it getting out to backers? Did it well, take? The whole thing started in about April of 2020. And we launched our Kickstarter and we ran it through February and March timeline of 2021. And, you know, we're just wrapping up with fulfillment of the game now in October. So from April of last year to October, about a year and a half was this whole journey. So, um, you know, now, I mean, a lot of it was figuring out what we're supposed to be doing. So it's kind of rough at first, but now that we kind of know what the process is like and have those connections established and, you know, know how to find a manufacturer or have a current manufacturer we can work with again, um, we hope that it will go a little faster in the future, but you know, we'll see how it goes. No, I mean, honestly, a year and a half is pretty fast compared to some people. So that's, that's really good. And then as far as like, people are starting to get it, you're starting to see it, I'm sure on like social media and stuff. How has the response been to the game so far? I think I haven't seen any bad comments about it yet, which I'm surprised because there's always things people like and people things people don't like. Um, you know, it's been overwhelmingly excitement from everyone who's played. And the only things I've really seen are people who say like, Hey, like I really love this game, but my husband isn't really into take that games. They like cooperative games or stuff like that. Um, and you know, I think that can come with any type of board game that, you know, people like that type of game and some people don't like that type of game. So, you know, hearing that this just isn't the, someone's jam or it's not their style, like, Hey, that, if that's the worst thing we're hearing, then I think that's a success. Yeah, I've been very, very happy with the reception of this game. Um, I'm, I'm bracing myself for the first uh, bad comment or bad review because um, we haven't seemed to have any yet. Um, but so far, so good. <laughs> that's awesome. And then for both of you, what was your favorite and least favorite experience of this journey? I think my favorite experience was those first two days of our Kickstarter. Um, we were, I took the day off work and we were just sitting there, you know, clicking refresh basically that whole first day. And we were all together in my apartment. Um, and it was just, it was a really good day because we, it, it, it was a success, right? I mean, I think we got two thirds of our goal within the first day and then we got our goal the second day. And it just, it felt really, really good that, you know, people, people like what we're putting out there. You know, there's, there's a reason that we're doing this. And that was my favorite part. I think my least favorite part was dealing with logistics. <laughs> I, I am in charge of logistics within our company. And boy, I tell you, I did not realize how much effort goes into uh, ha getting something from one place to another. It is insane. And COVID and the shipping crisis only made that 10 times worse. And so it has been a rough ride as far as that goes. <laughs> I think for me, I'll start with the, my, the, worst, the least favorite and go to the favorite after. But uh, I think the least favorite is like 
like Pop said, like a lot of logistical things. And um, I handle all of the the customer support and like doing all the messaging. And um, so if you see people, me out there commenting on the Kickstarter page or posting updates, that's uh, all that stuff is what I do. Um, and so I think just like kind of making sure to like be doing something all the time can be exhausting, um, especially like we all have full-time jobs outside of uh, the game company. So maybe someday this can be our full-time job, but um, for now, it's hard to like go to work and then afterwards, uh, you know, make sure I'm checking the Kickstarter, commenting on things and all that. So, um, but, you know, it's been really exciting because people have been super excited and, and complimented our customer service skills, which has been, you know, phenomenal hearing that people are happy with us as people. Um, I think I would agree with Pops as far as my favorite part of this journey um, either just the Kickstarter launch or like that last day of the Kickstarter when we, we never thought we would have gotten as much money as we did. Um, Danny even said like, oh, if we get $30,001, I'll get a tattoo of one of the game art pieces. And you know what? He has that tattoo. So <laughs> it's uh, crazy to see how far we got. But I think my other favorite piece besides the Kickstarter campaign itself um, is just like seeing all the games like they, as they've been arriving and, and fulfilling like that day that all the pallets came and we got to see all of our games and, and um, stick them into mailing envelopes and get them out to people. That's just been so crazy to see like something that it just like came out of our brains and was just an idea and like is a physical item now that's sitting on store shelves and like sitting in people's uh, on tables for game nights. That is so cool. Oh man, that must feel great. Oh it's, yeah. It's pretty amazing. I'm just, I'm ready to see all of the board gamers with their, you know, board game shelves behind them. And then our game is there and I just, I can point it out and be like, Hey, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. And so if you were to offer one piece of advice to designers, what would it be? Austin, you can start. I would say, you know, keep, keep on pushing. Um, there, there are going to be days where you feel like, you know, this, this idea is going nowhere. Right. And it is fine to scrap some things and change some things around, but you know, just knowing that the base of your idea is good is, is all you need, you know, to keep going. Like don't, don't get discouraged by, you know, somebody saying like, I really don't think that this game works because of this, 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 right? Like, okay, so they didn't think that it, it worked because of those specific items, but like, they weren't saying like, scrap the whole thing. So like, just change those up, you know, and, and keep going. Yeah, I would kind of echo uh, something similar, but I would say, um, you know, don't rush yourself. Uh, we were originally hoping to launch our Kickstarter in, in like November or December of 2020. And we sat down in October-ish and we were like, okay, I don't think we're ready. Like, I, like we thought we had a product that was like ready to ship and, you know, send off to the manufacturers. But um, we sat down and, you know, had one day where we sat and play tested the game, like with seven or eight different iterations of different changes and, and um, uh, variables. And we made a completely different game than what we well, originally thought we were going to ship and um, ended up pushing our Kickstarter back to February. And, you know, knowing that we were prepared and not feeling rushed was a good choice for us. And I mean, even, you know, if you've told people like I'm thinking about launching at this time on this day, if you're not ready, like, you know, just 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 cool it and just wait till you are because, you know, I've seen lots of Kickstarters out there who, you know, they launch, they're not successful, but then they take some time, they sit down, they revamp, they make it work. And then they come back and they're just an overwhelming success. So 
um, you know, don't give up if things aren't aren't ready when you hope they are. And, you know, feel free to take that time and, and, and you know, construct what you need to construct and make it make it work. I think that really is so important because you don't want to send something out that's not quite ready. And I know that at times I'll be like, this is a great idea, but <laughs> give it the right amount of play testing for sure. And Definitely. yeah, oh. things things can change. Yeah. I mean, if we did our original plan of launching in November, I don't think we would be talking to you right now. <laughs> <laughs> I love the honesty. That's awesome. Oh, gosh. And so we can't really know what you're working on next, but for anybody who is going to start following you and look into the types of games you make, what are like what is the general vibe of the games you're hoping to put out in the future? The general vibes would be similar to what Cultivate is. Um, I think Bajou coined the fr- I don't know if she coined the phrase, but she uses this phrase a lot, and it's called a gateway game. Um, it's a game you know that's kind of middle of the road. It's enough strategy for you know seasoned gamers, but it's easy enough to learn for people who don't play games that much. And that's that's kind of the sweet spot we want to keep hitting with all of our games. Yeah, we don't want to have too much luck of the draw, not too much strategy, because, you know, we've had those game nights with some friends or family members who, you know, if you sit down for your two hour game of, you know, whatever you're playing and um, they, they just don't want to sit that long. They don't want to learn all these rules and it's really hard for them. But like, I don't want to sit and play a game where I don't get to think or have strategy and it's all just random card drawing. So or dice rolling or what have you. So we want to have that good mix and good balance in there to help get those folks more interested in games, but also to keep us stimulated while playing something that's a little bit simpler. I I love gateway games. I mean, that's how I've gotten a lot of my friends into gaming. So the more there are, the more gamers we have in the long run and the more Euro gamers some of us are going to have in the future to play with us. Right. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, awesome. So, yeah, thank you for joining us for another episode of Game Design Unbox Inspiration to Publication, Episode 28, Cultivate. And thank you, Pops and Bijou, for joining us. For anyone trying to find you guys, where can you be reached? They can subscribe to our email list on our website, popsbijou.com, or they can just simply follow us on Instagram or Facebook. Um, I think we're just Pops Bijou Games, um, and then on Facebook, Pops and Bijou Games. So um, check us out on both of those sites. Awesome. So then as our parting question for the show, I've been asking everyone if there was one game that currently is out there, but you got to put your name on it. So you've now designed it. You've rewritten history. What game would you choose to have your name on it as the designer? Mine would be Parks. I love what Keymaster Games does. Um, Their board games are beautiful and they're really fun to play. And I, oh my gosh, I love the organization of their box in Parks. I love it so, so much. Uh, And so that would definitely be the game I'd choose. It is a really good game. I think it's funny that the box though, (laughs) that's one of the things organization is what you love. Oh my gosh. I like, it's it's so great. Oh my gosh. All right. Well, hopefully you've played it with the expansions and everything too. I have, and they are also great. (laughs) Awesome. All right. And then uh, Jenna or Bijou? I think, um, you know, if I was going to say art-wise, Parks and, you know, anything by Keymaster, just beautiful art, as well as Wingspan by Stonemaier Games. The art is so beautiful in that game. But I think the game I would have to pick is Azul. Um, I think it's one of those good uh, middle of the road games where it's got some good strategy. You can really think about what you're doing in the game and plan ahead. Or it's something that, you know, you can just kind of build the pattern and just roll along with it. So it's a good gateway game and 
you know, my family is obsessed with that game. I brought it home to my parents. Um, and I actually left my copy at my parents' house because they like to play it so much and they can play it two players when I'm not there. Um, but they just love it. And they're always like, did you bring home the tile game? Did you bring home the tile game every time I come? So, um, I would pick that game. That's so funny. I love that game. I actually, I think the second one, the stained glass one is my favorite, but I haven't played all the versions, but those are two solid games. I haven't played the stained glass one, but I played the summer pavilion, which is also really fun. Sweet. I'll have to check it out. Well, guys, thanks again for having or coming on to my podcast because I love talking to designers and seeing what everyone's up to. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. For sure. This has been another episode of Game Design Unboxed, inspiration to publication. If you'd like to hear more great gaming podcasts, check out nodirectionpodcast.com. Join us next time.